Uh, Christian counselors Gary Smalley and John Trent wrote a classic book back in the 1980s called uh, The Blessing. And when I read it, it transformed uh, my, my parenting. Uh, and in the story, they, they share this heartbreaking story that I want to read to you. Please say that you love me, please. Brian's words trailed off into tears as he leaned over the now still form of his father. It was late at night in a large hospital. Only the cold white walls and the humming of a heart monitor kept Brian company. Brian had flown halfway across the country to be at his father's side in one last attempt to try to reconcile years of misunderstanding and resentment. For years, Brian had been searching for his father's acceptance and approval, but they always seemed just out of reach. Brian's father had been a career Marine officer. His sole desire for Brian when he grew up was that he would follow in his father's footsteps. With that in mind, Brian's father took every opportunity to instill in his son discipline and the backbone he would need when one day he too was an officer. After graduating from high school, Brian did enlist in the Marine Corps. It was the happiest day of his father's life. However, his joy was short-lived. Cited for attitude problems and a disrespect for orders, his son was soon on report, and after weeks of such reports, Brian was dishonorably discharged from the service as incorrigible. The news of Brian's dismissal from the Marines dealt a death blow to his relationship with his father, and for years there was no contact between them. During those years, Brian struggled with feelings of inferiority and lacked self-confidence, even though he was above average in intelligence. He worked at various jobs far below his abilities. Three times he had been engaged only to break off the engagement just weeks before the wedding. When the call came from his mother saying that his father was dying from a heart attack, Brian immediately went to the, to the hospital to see his father, but he slipped into a coma a few hours before he arrived. The words that Brian longed to hear for the first time, words of love and acceptance, now would never be spoken. Four hours after Brian arrived at the hospital, his father died without regaining consciousness. Dad, please wake up! Brian's heartbreaking sobs echoed down the hospital corridor. God has placed within each of our hearts a yearning for the blessing of our fathers and our mothers. That is, we long for some spoken sign that they love us, that they value us, that they care for us, that our lives matter to them. You don't choose to have this longing. It's there where, whether you want it or not. One of the, uh, it's one of the mo most deep and primal emotions that we feel. And when a, a child hears those, those words, my son, my daughter, I am so proud of you. There's something in their heart that, that just soars. When a child knows the acceptance and approval of their, their parents, something inside them is filled. They become free and empowered to grow and to explore, to move mountains and slay dragons. On the other hand, if a child does not receive this blessing, if that empty space inside of them is not filled with the affirmation of their parents, then that child is set up for a desperate search and struggle to find someone who will speak those words to fill that hole in their heart. And, and for some reason, it's the absence of the father's blessing that appears to be especially damaging. It's a concept I know many of you have heard, the idea of the father wound. Well, it, it's a thing. 
That strange, uh, captivating show Lost years ago, remember that? Was built on the, on the whole foundation of Father Wounds. It's why each of the characters was lost. It wasn't because they crashed on an unknown island. No, it's because their lives crashed because of the toxic relationship each one of them had with their fathers. You, you go back and watch that show. It's what it's about. In all the national conversation about, re about race in the past few weeks, something you have seldom heard talked about is the devastating impact of fatherlessness on the black community. You don't have to take my words for it. L listen to nationally known black leaders. Radio host and commentator Larry Elder tweeted last week, the top three biggest problems facing the black community are, number one, lack of fathers in the home. Number two, lack of fathers in the home. Number three, lack of fathers in the home. It's not that you, you ignore fixing all the other things. Of course you do. But you don't ignore one of the primary things. One of the early giants of rap music, Tupac Shakur, he wrote a song back in the 90s called uh, Papa's Song. And it, and it still speaks powerfully today. And I want to play just a short clip from that song. And I want you to listen to the pain that comes through the words that will show on the screen. Have a listen. We'll never know what Tupac would say to us today because he was gunned down a few, few years after he wrote that song at the age of 25. You see, rather than being this strange esoteric idea, the concept of the blessing is, is filled with practical implications for the well-being of our lives. And, and it's grounded in scripture as, as no other idea is. Where do we find this concept? It, it's all over the place. It begins in chapter 1. Genesis 1 in our, in our Bibles where we're told over and over again that God blesses creation as he brings it into being. And then once God calls into place the crown of his creation, humans, us, the Bible says God blessed them. And he said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. From the very moment that they first drew breath, Adam and Eve experienced this full blessing, the, the acceptance, the approval of God their Father. And it was in the power of that blessing that Adam and Eve were able to go out into this, this brand new world and explore and discover and delight in all that God had made for them. And as we continue to read then the story of the Bible throughout the book of Genesis, after the fall of humanity, we see the importance of the blessing spelled out in that, that strange, odd story where Jacob steals his brother, his brother Esau's blessing. Esau comes before his father, Isaac, and he cries out to him in words that echo Brian's pain from earlier on. Bless me too, my father. Remember that story? At the end of Genesis, we see Jacob, now an old man, and he blesses each of his sons. Beautiful section there in Genesis 29. 
in, De in Deuteronomy 23, shortly before he died, we see Moses blessing each of the 12 tribes of, of Israel. And, and of course, it was Moses who gave us one of the most beautiful blessings that is ever written. So beautiful that it's been used as a final benediction in millions of worship services ever since. Number 624, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The act of blessing children, the act of, of blessing others is woven deeply into the, the mindset, very mindset of Jewish culture. And uh, this concept of the blessing is captured beautifully in Psalm 128, which Sherry just read for us. Well, from studying these scriptures and others in our Bible that speak of blessing others, Gary Smalley and John Trent in their book, The Blessing, have identified five components that are often found in a biblical blessing. These are five things that every child needs to receive from their parents. But we're not just talking to parents here this morning. There are, these are five things that every human being needs to receive. And if you take hold of this teaching this morning, it will show you as a follower of Christ how to be a blessing to those around you in your orbit of relationships. Well, here's, here's what uh, Smalley and Trent write, defining what they mean. It's, it's on your note sheets. And this will be our roadmap for the rest of the message. A family, a family blessing begins with meaningful touching. It continues with a spoken message of high value. A message that pictures a special future for the individual being blessed. And one that is based on an active commitment to see the blessing come to pass. So let's break these ideas out. And the first component that we see in a biblical blessing is that of meaningful touching. And boy, if ever was, was there a time when we understand the importance of human touch, it's now where touching others is precisely the thing we shouldn't do. The ritual of, of blessing always included something called the laying on of, of hands. Psalm 128, in all likelihood, was a marriage blessing where the couple would kneel before the priest or before a rabbi or before their parents and they would place their hands on the couple's heads as they would speak these words. And think about Jesus as he ministered to people. We often miss it in the reading, but how often did he touch people? There's that, that great story in Mark 10 where Jesus uh, had, had ch children that came to him. And the disciples, you remember what they did? They tried to shoo the kids away. And, and Jesus, instead, it says he took the children in his arms. And he put his hands on them. And he blessed them. When a leper came to Jesus seeking healing, Mark 1.41 says, filled with compassion, Jesus reached out and touched the man. Don't miss the preciousness of that moment. The healing of this leper began, not with the removal of his disease, but began when Jesus touched him. For this man had likely not, not known human touch for years because of his disease. But honestly, even before COVID-19 came along, Touching has been looked upon more and more in our society as problematic. The tragedy of the day in which we live uh, is that with situations, all those, all those things brought up by things like the Me Too movement and the Catholic priest scandal, all these stories bringing light uh, upon all this abuse, we are becoming a society where touch is all but forbidden. Now the Bible says greet one another with a holy kiss, but because there is so much unholy touching that is going on today, the healing power of human touch is being lost. And it's not without consequences. Smalley and Trent write this in their books. Promiscuous men and women 
have told researchers that their sexual activity is merely a way of satisfying the yearning to be touched and held. Isn't that interesting? And tragic too. Social science has observed that rough and tumble play between a father and his children is so critical. And as much as you moms may grimace whenever your kids jump on dad and they wrestle on the floor and they pile drive into his stomach and they, they jump like a trampoline on his, on his lap and they have him fling them around like, like sacks of rice, as much as you might say, ah, your kids need that. It's part of their healthy development. It's in the rough and tumble play, and that's what they, they call it, that a child learns what good touch is and, and what the limits and use of their strength are and how to restrain their aggression and treat others fairly. Skin-to-skin -skin touch, as, as many of you know, has been shown to help babies that are born prematurely. I'm, I'm sure many of you, or most of you, have heard of the studies done in the 1940s in orphanages where they found children were dying in horrifying rates until women in the, in the villages around the orphanage were brought in to hold and caress and even nurse the, uh, these, these babies. Touch is what saved them. Children need to feel their parents' touch. And as much as I said, yuck! Whenever my parents or my relatives would kiss me on the cheek or, or grab me or give me a spit bath, inside I was lapping it up. And right now, uh, parents, if your kids are nearby, give them a spit bath right now, right this minute. Don't let them escape. Hold, come on, lather up right on this. Come on. Inside they're going, oh, they're loving it. Well, that's the first part of a blessing, meaningful touch. Now the second part of a true blessing according to Smalley and Trent's study of this in the Bible, is a spoken message. This isn't a small point. No one should say, well, this is just silliness. It, it, it's important that I be a blessing, but the idea that I just speak the words, bless you, that, this isn't magic, that's silliness. Well, yeah, it is important that we bring a blessing and that we be a blessing and back up our words. There's no question about that. When you walk into somebody's house, or you go into work, the, the level of peace should go up because you, a follower of Christ, have gone in. But it's interesting what Jesus said to the disciples. When you enter into a house, you're to say, peace be unto the, this house. And he wasn't saying it in a ritualistic way. Peace be unto this house. Oh, I bless them. No, that's not what Jesus meant. This isn't saying bless you when someone sneezes, you know. Besides, we don't say bless you anymore today. Somebody sneezes today, we say run away. That's how it works. Now, Jesus is stressing to us the importance of words. Words can be one of the most powerful conduits for conveying God's blessing to a person's heart. Proverbs 12:18 says, Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. I'm willing to bet every one of you easily call to mind uh, a time when your parents either with a word of praise put you on cloud nine or a word of condemnation left you bleeding on the floor. I bet you can call it to mind just like that. And just when you think you're doing okay as a parent because you don't tear down your kids with words, studies also prove that the absence of positive affirmation can be just as damaging to a child's heart. Silence can be destructive to, to a child, just as much as, as cussing them up one side and, and down the other. When you leave your children to guess what you think of them, Satan or their, or their own sinful hearts can just as easily fill in the blanks with hateful messages of self-loathing 
they may be complete utter nonsense and lies which your child will believe as truth until you tell them otherwise a wife said to her husband on their 40th anniversary honey I need to hear you say that you love me and exasperated the man said I told you I love you on our wedding day and until I revoke it it still stands don't be that guy and so to grow up healthy we need to hear with words from our parents' lips that they love us, that they're proud of us. And it remains true after we grow up. We need to hear words of affirmation frequently. The Bible says encourage one another daily. Don't be the person who crosses paths with someone after a long time of not saying, seeing them and, and saying, well, I've been thinking about you. I've been praying about you. Yeah, big whoop. Prove it. With words, words written on a card, words written in an email or a phone call or a message. In fact, let's just go ahead and declare this next week at Bridgeway as Encouragement Week. Can we do that? Can I ask that of you? Can I challenge you to come up with 10 people this week outside of your family because you're meant to encourage them? Find 10 people outside of the family and would you go out of your way to encourage them with words? We're all weary today. You know, we're all on, on eggshells, wondering what's next, watching the news. Oh, no, here we go again. When's this stop? Let's encourage one another this week. Can we do this? Encouragement week at Bridgeway. Nod your head. I can see you. Nod your head. Okay. A blessing begins with meaningful touch, holy touch, and it continues with spoken words. Thirdly, a blessing includes a spoken message that places a high value on your child you read Psalm 128 you can't help but notice how deeply loved and valued are the recipients of this uh, this blessing and that's that's what what a blessing ought to do it should convey how much you value the other person it's absolutely fascinating in the Bible at Jesus's baptism do you remember how uh, how the, the father sent the Holy Spirit and spoke audibly over Jesus you are my beloved son with you I am well pleased. Remember that? There it is again. A spoken message. Jesus needed to hear it. That conveyed high value. And Jesus never questioned the love that God the Father had for him. And resting in that, Jesus was able to take on the world. And complete his mission. Brian, in the story we read earlier, never received that. Never heard those words from his father. Son, I love you. I'm, I'm proud of you. And it crippled him. It made him question his, his worth. And it always left him with a message playing over and over in his head. You're not good enough. You'll never be good enough. Some of you have those, those words rummaging through your heart even now as we speak. Now, parents, be careful here. Don't simply say to yourself, okay, I need to remember to just tell my kids that I love them. I'm proud of them. I can do this. Okay, that's good. But how you do it is also important. I want you to be careful of something. Don't just say these words to your children whenever they do well. Hmm? Oh, you listened to your mom and dad today. I'm so proud of you. Oh, look at this. You got an A on your science test. I love you. Why do we need to be careful of this? Because if you're not careful, you will quickly condition your child to connect your love to their performance. 
You'll set them on this slippery path of thinking that they have to earn your love. And once they, they buy into that way of thinking, all sorts of unhealthy habits and emotions drift in like a, oh, like a Saharan sand cloud blocking the sun. It's when they do poorly. It's when they let you down. It's when they break your heart that you have to be especially mindful to assure them of your love and their value to, heal, to you. And you know, even when you're disciplined, disciplining them you can do this my child I'm sorry that this happened I feel heartbroken that this happened I want you to know I love you I love you and and, and you assure them of that you you realize you can say I love you and I'm grounding you in the very same sentence you get that this is what's so awesome about Christianity <laughs> because I'm saved by faith alone through grace alone. It's not by my performance that God accepts me and, and says that I'm right with him. It's by what Christ did for me. And I can rest in that, in God's acceptance of me. And even when I sin, even when I break God's heart, well, my fellowship with God can be impacted. I won't feel as close to him for a while, but my relationship with him has never been more secure. In Christianity, God accepts me on day one of our journey together. And high value is placed on me on day one of my journey with Christ. Peter said in his first letter, writing to Christians, writing to us, but you are a chosen people. This is 1 Peter 2.9. You're a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God. And Peter can say that not because of anything that we've done. It's all because of grace. And that's the message we need to be conveying to our children, that their worth and their value is found in God. God made them. God gave them life. He brought them into being because he wants them here. And their life has purpose. I want to show you a little scene from that video we showed you on, uh, on Mother's Day. Remember that beautiful video made by the skit, the skit guys? And, uh, and we were all crying. Well, Here's a little scene from that video that illustrates beautifully what we're talking about right here. Watch this. So stupid. Why am I so stupid? Uh, what did you just say to my son? What? My son is not stupid. My son is smart. He was formed by God's hands. He was dreamed up by his heart. And he was placed in this world with a purpose. You, my son, could never be stupid. I'm almost crying again. A 30-second clip from that gets to me. That's how we do it, though. That's how we bless our kids and let them know of the high value that they have to you. So a blessing includes meaningful, holy touch, along with a spoken message that places a high value on them and pictures, fourthly, a special future for them. Psalm 128, your wife will be like a fruitful vine, your sons like olive shoots. When, when parents bless their children in this way, they're not spelling out for them the things that they want their children to do and to become. That's, that's not what's going on. We don't do what Brian's father did. You're going to be an officer just like me. That's not what this is. That becomes a curse for our children. The Bible says train up a child in the way he or she should go. Not the way you want them to go. And so 
Picturing a special future for them means that we bless them on their journey of discovery and exploration and searching. It means you help them discover their gifts that God has given uniquely to them and their passions and their interests. It means that you, you as a parent give them rich experiences to try all kinds of things where they can learn things about themselves and about life. And all the while you are giving them assurances that as they keep God before them in their life, that he will give them a hope and a future. When you let your child know that you believe in their future, you fill their sails with a hope and a strength that hardly anything else can. I'll never forget uh, when I experienced this early in marriage. I, uh, Janice and I had just started my first church in Minnesota. I finally decided that it was time to write my first book. I've always wanted, always had wanted to write. This was long, long before our California sabbatical. I've, I've always believed in that, that that great story and that great movie, Ben-Hur, needed a sequel. That movie changed my life, brought me back to Christ in, in college. And I remember at the end of that movie going, well, well, what happens next? The fictional hero of the story, Judah Ben-Hur, is a very young man at the end of the story. And so I wondered, well, that story could go on. Well, it was all, while I was in seminary a few years later uh, and studying church history that all the elements of a sequel to Ben-Hur began to just fall into place. And, and by the time I'd started my first church, the entire story was here in my, my head. And I, I decided, okay, I'm going to write. And I decided to write a screenplay first uh, to, to flesh out the characters, bring them to life, get them speaking to each other. But 40 pages in and several months in, I, I, I got bogged down. And for months and months, I was stuck in the thought of actually finishing this screenplay, let alone writing a novel, just seemed far-fetched, unimaginable. I felt like I was standing, looking up at Mount Everest, thinking, oh, I'll, never, I'll never be a writer. This is beyond me. Well, it was uh, one weekend shortly after that, my, my parents came to, to visit, and, and my dad happened to find the, the 40 pages that I had written laying around, and, and he read through the whole thing. The, he said, what's this? I was a little embarrassed, and I told him what it was, and and he said, well, what happens next in the story? And so, so I told him. And I told him of my aspiration to, to write it, write it out, write a book. And a big smile came over my father's face. And, and he said, son, this is good. This is really good. You're onto something special here. You got to keep at it. I'm telling you, the day after mom and dad left and went home, I sat down at the computer again and I began to write and I wrote and I wrote and I finished that script in a couple months and then I started climbing up Mount Everest. I began to peck away at the book in my spare time. And it took a year, year and a half, but <laughs> well, here it is. I got it done. A 400-page novel called Ben-Hur, The Odyssey. And as I was writing it, I reached out <laughs> with foolish audacity to Charlton Heston himself, the actor, the famous actor who played Judah Ben-Hur. And, and wouldn't you know, but he... He wrote me. He wrote me back, and, and we exchanged three letters over the course of that next year. And I sent him a copy of the book, and I found an agent, and, and things were moving forward, and, and things got very close to this happening. And then, and then Charlton Heston announced that he was suffering from Alzheimer's, and everything kind of fell apart. And over the years, I went on writing a few other things. I still believe in this story, by the way. I think there's, uh, there's still room for it. But how did all this happen? How did all this come about? It's because on the verge of quitting, 
I heard my father say that he believed in my future. I received my father's blessing. That's the power of speaking blessing into people's lives. And like we said earlier, this is not just for your kids. You should do this with everyone you meet. In fact, Jesus expects it, even with our enemies. You know the verse. What did Jesus say? It's in Luke 6, 27. But I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And, and now we know, thanks to Smalley and Trent, what that really means. Finally, a true blessing requires an active commitment on the part of the one giving it. Words are important, like we said, vitally important. But if your attempts at blessing others are just words and nothing more, there's nothing backing it up. Well, your kids and anybody else, they'll see right through that. My father happened to hit a home run in that story I just shared with you, but he'd be the first to tell you that in the years prior to that, as I was growing up, I was the oldest child. For years, he, he struck out many times, didn't get it all right. He would be the first to tell you if he could be here today. That the act of blessing our children requires commitment. Requires you taking the initiative. You going to them and helping them to find blessing. And here's where there's real hope this morning, dear ones. Perhaps you've been listening and you've heard the list of things we're talking about. And, you, and you've done the inventory and you said, well, I didn't receive any of those things. I guess I'm screwed. Well, no, you're not. When it's all said and done, this yearning and longing that each of us have for the blessing and love of our parents is actually a yearning for a deeper longing to know the blessing and love of our Heavenly Father. It's an echo of that. And that's where there's good news this morning. Even the best human parent will fall short in giving us what we really need. And so to be healthy, the time must come for every person to grow up and transfer their longing for their earthly parents' blessing to a yearning for God to receive His blessing. God gives us parents to point the way for us, to hopefully give us, give us some glimpses of what that love looks like. But the good news is that even if your parents fell short, even if your, hair, your, your parents botched it entirely, even if you never knew your parents, even if your parents were anti-parents, they abused you, they mistreated you, they were the anti-father, the anti-mother. Even so, even still, you can, you can receive this blessing. Because you have a Father in heaven, right now is with you, who is perfect and good and loving, and he's right there beside you now to give you what your soul is longing for. And he has demonstrated his commitment to you in a, in a way that is mind-blowing. God became human in Jesus Christ. And he came to earth. And he suffered and died on that cross that you've heard about. So that you and I could come home. Be adopted back into God's family. And receive his blessing again. And if you would but kneel before him. And cry out to him and surrender your life to him. Ask him to forgive you. Ask him to receive you again. 
And he will reach out his hand to you. In fact, it's reached out to you right now. And if you'll take his hand and you'll say, Lord, forgive me. Lord, have me. I want to follow you the rest of my life. Or in some version of a prayer like that, let it flow from your heart. And you'll walk with him. And then you'll begin to walk with his, his people. You will begin to learn things and receive things that you never had before. God will start to speak into your life through his word and, his, and through his people of the high value that you have in his eyes. A value that no one, can take away from you. And God will help you to see that he wants to give you a hope and a future. That he has plans for you, dreams for you, a purpose for you, if you'll just take his hand and follow him. And like I said, it begins with just a simple prayer. And some of you right now should just close your eyes and fall on your knees and say words like this. Father God, I want that. I want your blessing tried to go without it for so long forgive me lord would you have me back as your son as your as your daughter would you have me back lord would you come into my life would you lead my life from here on out would you show me show me how to rest in your love and jesus help me just my friend a prayer like that and you can come home